Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip, two sides of a coin. Tarek, heads or tails? I'm back, and I'm calling tails. You would. John, you have the coin. I do. Lip it. Yeah, man. It's heads, for sure. Definitely heads. This is such a weak flip. I could tell it, it like, rotated half of a time Uh, in the air. You wouldn't have said any of that if it were tails. Trey, what's up, man? You're back, too. What's up? I'm back, too. Give me the ball while we're at it. All right. Well, since you guys both missed last week, we're going to hang out in the AFC South a little bit longer. I'll give you all a moment to hash something out here. If I were between Michael Pittman and Traylon Burks in a startup, which player would you advise me to take? Ooh, man. Okay. Um, Well, you guys know I love Traylon Burks, but I think you got to go Michael Pittman just because you're getting a player who's already broken out uh versus a guy who's still a question mark you know and um it's not like you're going like sacrificing a ton of age too right because you know Pittman's only going into his third year so um no I, I I talked about it a while ago I think Pittman is the real deal I think we saw the breakout last year and uh I mean he's basically guaranteed to be the number one passing um uh, option in that offense and uh you know Burks is missing time at camp I still believe in him I still think he's a good uh buy out there but uh yeah, give me Pittman straight up. All right. Tarek, Traylon Burks, is that your guy? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is now. <laughs> I, de- I definitely have Traylon Burks ranked ahead of Michael Pittman. And, and here's the case. Uh, Traylon Burks was the 18th pick in the first round of the NFL draft. He's going to a situation where he is immediately going to be the target hog in Tennessee. He is... Six foot three, 225 pounds, runs pretty fast. Uh, we saw him get above three yards per route run last year in Arkansas. So he's coming in. Yeah, it's it, there is the age advantage. He's a little bit more than three years younger than Michael Pittman. Um, and yeah, he's really good, right? So um, give me Traylon Burks. Give me the age discount. Uh, I'll take him over Michael Pittman in a startup. Very convinced there, Tarek. Thank you for that. Now, the reason I asked you guys this, uh, Trey, I think you do need to update your rank soon because you do have Traylon Burks ahead of Pittman there. So I think we flagged that for you. All right. Uh, Tarek, you definitely have have Burks uh, several spots uh, behind Pittman there. So What are you, a cop? Uh, (laughs) No, no. Fuck Give them. Fuck a break, no. man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who actually has Traylon Burks rated ahead of Michael Pittman? John, do you? Yeah, like two spots for sure. Hey, there you go. You should ask me, Mitch. Can can you actually give us like a bull case uh, for Burks over Pittman? Because I'm not seeing it. Well, as you know, I rank my rankings exclusively by uh, college GPA, and Burks came out just ahead of Pittman with a solid 2.86. So. Uh, you know, you know, he's smart and <laughs> what? came out what <laughs> the two, eight, six. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want the real answer? I was just kind of bullshit an answer there. <laughs> was that a B minus? C's <laughs> get degrees, man. You don't need to. Oh, okay. Like the real answer, right? Like, are we expecting Traylon Burks to step in and get uh, the same kind of production that, AJ Brown was getting because I think that's what uh, the Titans are expecting. So, uh, if that's the case, I think we all had AJ Brown ahead of Michael Pittman, did we not? We did, but we saw AJ Brown be a 
be a monster on the NFL field. So I don't know. I mean, because of his college profile, because he's a first round pick, uh, if you're fading the asthma narrative, I you know, I, I, I can I can see I can kind of see the argument, but given what Michael Pittman did in his second year last year and getting a uh, quarterback upgrade, uh, spoiler alert, guys, I actually do prefer Michael Pittman. Hey, I'm glad you agree, buddy. I just checked my rankings. It turns out that I, too, have Burks ahead of Pittman, and it's uh, two spots as well. So, All right. Hey, team Mitch I'm, and John. I'm on, I'm on Team John here. Yeah. Now. Sounds like we're all paying a lot of attention to our ranks at this time. Real of year. important stuff. Yeah, it's it's police work, man. It's <laughs> it's certainly not an honest day's work. Yeah, I'm rewatching The Wire right now. So spectacular, uh, nat- natural police. What? The fuck is going on, everyone? And I mean everyone. Welcome in to the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Benchuya. With me, as always, John Alexander, Trey Cryan, and Mitch Yates. It has been nary a month or so since all four of us have been in the, bu- uh, in the building. Excuse me. Uh, so I'm really excited about it. Um, but without further ado, let's, let's turn it over to Trey crying. What's going on with you, man? I'm good, dude. I'm good. Hey, uh, I want to give you another shout out. Uh, you successfully defended your dissertation. So you have also, since we last, uh, uh, had you on the pod, uh, with me, uh, you've entered the working world as well, man. So, uh, congratulations yep. on, uh, on salaried, uh, employed life and, uh, yeah, tell us how that's going, dude. <laughs> It's going well. Yeah. You know, I've missed the last two weeks and uh, it's I've missed y'all, um, but it is a product of my life being kind of crazy right now. Transition moments out of the academic world into the corporate world, uh, as uh, as Trey knows all about, you know, right there with you in corporate America now, Trey, excited. Uh, it's it's nice, man. I'm enjoying the new gig, but uh, John, what's going on with you, man? I don't want to talk about me this whole time. I, I, I'm on summer vacation, man, so it's 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 all good. I'm going on a road trip, and uh, this this might be my last episode for a little while. So I'm excited to get it going here. Where are you going to, John? Uh, we're gonna we're going through everybody's favorite part of the United States, the actual asshole of the United States, up through Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, <laughs> Colorado. It's going to be great. Yeah. Hey, any chance to shit on Oklahoma, we take it around here. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And let me turn it over to the guy who has been the host for the last few weeks, been locking it down, been doing a great job. What is up, Mitch Yates? Hey, what's up? I'm actually, I'm, I'm happy that you're back today, not just because I'm happy you're back, but Happy that I can sit back a little further in my chair and relax and resume my normal duties of just uh, trying to make shitty jokes on our podcast. So (laughs) I'm ready to do it. Good to be back. Good to be back. And we have a lot to talk about today. So I just kind of want to get into it. Part five of our divisional series where our goal is to talk about every dynasty relevant player in the National Football League. We got a really juicy division today in the NFC West. I think for fantasy purposes, probably the only division that can outdo it is going to be our next episode, the AFC West, but got a lot of guys to talk about today, so let's jump right into it, beginning with the San Francisco 49ers. 
And at the quarterback uh, position, we got Trey Lance and future Carolina Panthers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, who is also still on the roster there. Trey Lance is QB8 on keep trade cut after playing meaningful snaps in only three games last year. You know, some of his advanced stats look better than they actually are, and I kind of looked into it, and that's because his receivers had 4.64 yards after the catch on his throws, and that was by far number one in the league, and it's such a small sample size. But in his starts, what we can lock onto is that he averaged over 50 rushing yards per game, and I think that's something that we can pretty much expect going forward. The sentiment is that trade interest for Jimmy GQ will ramp up once he's fully cleared from that shoulder surgery he had in the offseason. But Trey, let me throw it to you. What is your read of this situation, which could get pretty difficult to read if Jimmy G starts throwing passes at camp in San Francisco in a few weeks here? First off, I'll say I agree with the market here. I've also got Trey Lance as my uh, QB8. And I think to justify that, you have to expect him to get the majority of the snaps uh, this season, which I do think he is going to step in and be their main quarterback option. And you mentioned the fact that he benefited as a uh, rookie and, you know, a small sample size from the yards after the catch ability of his receivers, you know, specifically Debo. And uh, I mean, Jimmy G definitely benefited uh, from, you know, that that very same factor as well. I think he was like, one of the worst in the league in uh, deep ball completion percentage, you know, number 24 in air yards per attempt, but then number two overall in adjusted yards per attempt. So yeah. the only way to close that gap is with, you know, Kittle and Debo Samuel and Ayuk, you know, making moves after the catch there. So going back to Lance, I just don't think San Francisco can use a top three pick on him and then have him sit on the bench for two years. Mm-hmm. I, I think Lance is probably a pretty good trade target for rebuilders. There's definitely still plenty of upside. You know, we've got the, the the fact that he could still turn into a guy like Lamar Jackson, you know, we just haven't seen it yet. We still have, you know, the uncertainty because Jimmy G is still in the picture. So I think the 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 upside is still there. Uh I do think though that if for any something goes wrong and he's not the week one starter, that is a very, very bad sign. And probably if I had him on any of my squads, I would probably be looking to pivot, you know, if that's the case come August. I gotta ask you guys though. Does anybody really think that Jimmy G is going to be the starter week one? No, I don't think so. But I mean, I think there is a an outcome where for whatever reason, the 49ers aren't getting what they want uh, out of the trade market for Jimmy G. And if he's still on the roster week one, like this is the quarterback that brought them to the NFC championship game last year. So I think there's a story that you can tell yourself, or at least that the dynasty market might tell itself to where that Jimmy G ends up starting. And then what that does is put a little bit of downward pressure on Trey Lance's value. I think, yeah, I totally agree. I think that's the difference in my rank of Trey Lance at quarterback 13 versus Trey's rank at quarterback eight. I think that that spot difference right there uh, just just goes to show that I'm a little afraid that there's just that off chance that Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy and I'm not willing to push my chips in all the way to quarterback eight. Because if he was like if Jimmy G was released right now, I think that I would have to put Trey Lance up to quarterback eight like that. I think that's where the hedge is coming from. 
No, I get what you're saying, but essentially what that means is that you're you have now priced yourself out of ever having Trey Lance on your squad, which means you are missing out on that that opportunity, you know, that upside for that Konami code, you know, top five outcome, which we all believe, you know, Trey Lance has. And but you brought up Yes, I effectively am, but you brought up a good reason why, which was um if if um Jimmy Garoppolo is still on this roster week one, then you're your value is going to take a huge hit. Well, not not if he's still on the roster. If you know Jimmy G does win that starting right, job week right, one, right, I right. think I think that that shows that the coaching staff hasn't seen enough progression out of Lance uh, through his first year and through the offseason to where they can trust him in week one. And that is kind of a signal to me that like, okay, maybe he's not ready yet, and maybe this isn't going to work out. And if I can if I can cash out, then then I think I'd be looking to do so. But you know, right now, I still think there's plenty of upside, and I do think he will be the week one starter. John, quick thoughts before we move on to the wide receivers. Uh, I, I think that I've got, I'm the low man here. I've got, Q, I've got Trey Lance at QB 16. I'm not afraid of Jimmy G at all, but it's still, I still don't think Trey Lance has proven anything. Uh, I think he's a huge gamble at this point where people are valuing him as a QB and a top 10 QB, and I'm just not prepared to do that on my dynasty rosters. It just feels like too much of a gamble to me. Yeah, uh, I I like the rushing floor. Uh, I'm I'm I my ranks don't have the downward pressure reflected in it that I referenced. He's QB nine for me, so I'm a little bit you know I'm right there with consensus. Um, I just think with the floor he's got, like as long as he gets the opportunity, he's going to be an elite fantasy asset, and he's got that number three overall insulation. But um, I can see the wait and see approach. Uh, you know, we know John like likes to wait. <laughs> that's why I never have him on the roster. <laughs> You'll be seeing him do it for somebody else. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. I will. Moving on to the wide receivers. Debo Samuel had an absolutely insane year last year with over 1400 yards receiving 700 of them coming after the catch like Trey referenced earlier. He led the league in yards per target while being number 78 in average depth of target, which is absurd. And he also added 365 yards and eight touchdowns on the ground. We know he's an absolute monster there, even though uh, reportedly he doesn't want to be doing that anymore. He had the best year for a receiver last year outside of a guy we will talk about later. John, how do you feel about Debo, who is currently wide receiver nine on keep trade cut? Uh, I'm definitely the high guy here. On Debo, uh, I think everybody likes to point to those eight receiving, or sorry, those eight rushing touchdowns, and that that was exceptional. But what people don't realize is that with his six receiving touchdowns, that's better than he had ever had in his career. In his rookie year, he only had three. So even if he still he's he, if he wants to if he's going to do what he wants to do, which is just be primarily a receiver, I don't think that's a bad outcome because he did progress as a wide receiver last year. Um, I think Debo has everything within his toolbox to be a top 10 wide receiver again this season, even without that rushing work. So I've got him as my wide receiver three. Um, I don't see that going anywhere. I think we're he Debo is definitely in line for a repeat season this year. That's that's where I'm at. I don't know, John. I've been so I used to have him ranked a little higher than where I do now. I have him at wide receiver 10. And that's because I've been trigger shy every time I've been on the clock and I've considered drafting him. I've realized that I continue to go behind whatever door number two has in store for me. For example, 
like Devontae Adams or Stefan Diggs. I would just rather have those guys because I think that they've shown more over longer periods of times. I think this one season by Debo Samuel isn't enough for me to put them over those guys. So I have them at 10, which again is effectively pricing me out of Debo Samuel. Yeah, I... It's it's tough because, like I said, he does not want to be the running back anymore. And I hope that he is not to justify his cost because in the first half of the year, and I'm going to take the reins for Brandon Ayuk uh, in a little bit, if y'all don't mind. But what it kind of mirrors Ayuk season, because in the first eight weeks, you had Debo with 12 targets, eight targets, 10 targets, 12 targets, nine targets, 11, nine. Right. And then. In the middle of the season, in the end of the season, it's five, two, four, one, five, six, right? The target numbers dropped off significantly. And that's when he turned into this, you know, Swiss Army knife weapon that he doesn't want to be anymore. And in addition to him not wanting to be that anymore, us as dynasty players, we shouldn't want to rely on insane efficiency and eight rushing touchdowns, right? So I'm a little bit concerned just that. If he goes back to being a full-time receiver, he's not going to see the amount of targets that he saw in the first eight weeks. But, I mean, we do have that eight-week sample size where he was like a 30% target share type of guy and above. So if he can go back to that, it'll justify it. It's just I'm, I'm having a hard time with 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 Debo Samuel. I'll just say this. I'm, I'm close uh, closer to John on this one than uh, the market. I, I do think top five is reasonable. Uh, looking at the Fantasy Pros projections right now, uh, they're fading the narrative on uh, him giving up that part of the rushing game. Uh, they're still putting in uh, 79 rushing attempts for 460 yards Sheesh. and five and a half on the ground. Uh, so I could I could see him rushing a little bit less than that, but I am really, really liking what he showed last year as a receiver. And so I, I'm with John on this one. I think he, the top five is definitely reasonable. Yeah, so they are expecting him to run the ball you know, 16 times more than he did last year. Uh, he had 59 rushes last year. Right. That is, I don't know about that, uh, especially with how he's been squeaking, but I don't know. I, I got, I have him right in line with, with the keep trade cut market. So, um, I, I see the hedge a little bit. Um, and you know, I'll just use this as an opportunity to go to right into Brandon. Ayuk because they have kind of a complimentary narrative here. Right. Um, Ayuk had a really strange year. He kind of started off miserably, reportedly was not practicing right and got punished for it on game day. And if you read the athletic piece, which was from November 5th, that kind of deep dives this issue, Ayuk is actually very transparent in, in, in interviews about how he wasn't practicing up to the coaching staff standards. And once he figured it out, the snaps came back. And now, Ayuk was my like premier reputation player. I had him as a low-end wide receiver one in Dynasty. That was too high. You know, let me be clear on that. But if you look when he started playing a full complement of snaps, which was week eight and on, he was a mid-range wide receiver two, wide receiver 16 from that point on in PPR. And that's exactly what I predicted he would finish as with George Kittle and Debo Samuel in the fold, which brings me to kind of my ultimate point here. Wide receiver 35 on keep trade cut, that's hilariously low to me. And he's a strong buy across all formats. Mitch, what do you think? Yeah, let me let me start with this. Ayuk is such a smash buy right now. 
Like, I want him everywhere and anywhere I can get him. And I know that directly contradicts my position from last year and usual approach to Brandon Ayuk. And uh, last year I was on that sell bandwagon. And uh, it was because he was being valued by some managers like Tarek as a wide receiver one. So, uh, of course, I didn't foresee the Shanahan doghouse or any of that shit. But the rationale was that he was a wide receiver two going for wide receiver one prices. But now there's been that overcorrection, right? Uh, that wide receiver 35 price tag hits a little different. Ayuk yeah, is still that wide receiver two with wide receiver one potential. He was still a first round draft pick. And now that he's being valued as a wide receiver three, I think it's time to dip my feet back in the waters here. So I can kind of see the wide receiver 35 like rank by the casual player like if you look at first glance that's where he's finished the last two years on sleeper but there's just so much more context attached to those finishes so at the end of the day i i think it's time i think he's a buy so let me just jump in because if if this is the trey lance show and you know they are running it a little bit more I think it's going to be Debo Samuel as the number one option. I think it's George Kittle as the number two option. I think Ayuk ends up being the odd man out. So you're saying he's valued in that wide receiver three range. That's where it looks like the Shanahan offense has him uh, valued as well. So uh, I don't see him getting enough volume in that offense to justify that price. So for me, that's that's more of a sell than a buy. Yeah, that's where I'm at as well, Trey. Uh, but you know, you can't you can't be as high on Debo as we are, and then also be high on right. Ayuk. I don't think there's enough in that offense to support them both. Yeah, no surprise there for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, they already were a team that didn't throw it a lot last year, right? And in, and over that second half of the season, he still was putting up enough numbers to finish as a mid range wide receiver too. Um, you know, that's not taking it away anything from the miserable start he had, but I do think there's some context to that. And I just think like if you're worried about, okay, they're running Debo's number one, Kittle's number two, Ayuk's number three. I think in my opinion, that's a little bit of an over projection. It's like you're, you're, you're trying a little bit too hard to like make all the targets match up. Whereas you know, if you look at what they wanted to do and, you know, there's still the the possibility that Trey Lance is a better player overall and lifts the tide of all boats over Jimmy G. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think if you if you kind of weigh both of those things, it, it, it what I want to do in that situation is maybe lean a little bit on what my talent evaluation is of Brandon Ayuk. And I think that he can command, you know, 22 percent of that pie. Look, man, I'm not going to accuse you of you know wishful thinking here all right i'm just <laughs> when it comes to brandon Ayuk, i would never <laughs> wishfully think trey i would i would always keep an even keel when it comes to him look i wouldn't use the words wishful thinking all right i i wouldn't do it so let me just say uh i, I see it a little differently okay i have a couple trades would uh if you guys want to do those quickly yeah let's uh, roll through would, it would you guys do uh would you guys do brandon Ayuk or pickens Ayuk. Pickens, for sure. Ayuk, easily. I think I like Ayuk. All right. uh, Amari Cooper or Brandon Ayuk? Ayuk. Cooper. I think I like Ayuk. (laughs) All right, last one. I hate Pickens and Cooper, though. Last one. Elijah (laughs) Mitchell or Brandon Ayuk, obviously. Uh, Full PPR? Sure. 
All right. <laughs> that was a tough one. Yeah, that's, that's tough. That that's tough a toss-up. I mean, it, it depends on team need. Depends on, you know, if you're a rebuilder, then maybe I'd, I'd definitely air Ayuk. Uh, if you're a contender that needs a, a third running back on your roster, then maybe I'll go Mitchell. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, uh, before we move on to Elijah Mitchell, there's two other receivers ranked in the top 150. Uh, that's Danny Gray and Juwan Jennings. Mitch, have you been drafting any of Gray, who's a guy that you shouted out before late in your rookie drafts? No. Uh, and <laughs> as I as I mentioned and in my shout-out, is this is a guy that you shouldn't draft, and it's because he's going to be a decoy. And I, I do think it is kind of funny, though, that... You've tossed the question about Ayuk and Danny Gray to me, the two uh, wide receivers my brother played with in college. So that's fun. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think Danny Gray is going to be on your team if you draft him and he's going to catch a bomb here and there and he's fast as the Dickens. And whenever he scores a touchdown, you're going to be like, oh, man, I should have started him. But you shouldn't have and you won't start him. So he's don't 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 draft him. Don't get him. At running back, Elijah Mitchell, the surprise of last year, taking Trey Sermon's lunch money early and often, finished number 14 in fantasy points per game at the running back position, got hurt early and often, but every time he came back, Kyle Shanahan gave him back the reins. Trey Mitchell is rated as a low-end running back two in the dynasty marketplace. Is that too low, too high, just right? No, I think the market's right here. Uh, I think he should go around that running back 23 or so range. Uh, so I agree. I mean, the upside there is really nice. Uh, we saw as a rookie, he put up uh, a running back 14 uh, season in points per game with 15. Uh, but, you know, he didn't really ever command uh, any sort of significant targets. So his upside is always going to be capped because of that. I don't see him turning into a pass catching running back in that system. So you know, you pair that with the injury risk and the the risk of the shenanigans. I think he's probably a, a hold at uh, at twenty three. Yeah. Speaking of shenanigans, uh, another running back was drafted in the third round, Tyrion Davis Price. Uh, to everyone's surprise, I think uh, I had never heard of him before uh, out of LSU, but I, I don't watch college football, so you know maybe John can tell us more. He doesn't catch passes at all, but runs pretty fast with a 90th percentile speed score. He had a thousand yards in the SEC and declared early. John, I have been drafting TDP everywhere. Am I too excited about his value at running back 47? Uh, probably not. I, I guess it depends on where you're drafting him. But if you're taking him at the end of the second, beginning of the third, I, I don't think that's overdrafting him because... We, we already saw it happen last year with Elijah Mitchell. He was That was a guy who was going into the third round of rookie drafts, and look what he turned into. So uh, there's always a chance, right? I think in this system, anyone who's getting the ball has fantasy relevance, and that's that's worth a flyer. And it's just when you get to that point in rookie drafts, it's pick your poison, right? So, uh, And to, to answer your question, no, I don't know anything about him. <laughs> <laughs> More of a Big Ten guy. <laughs> Big Ten West, if I recall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, John mentioned like anybody who gets the ball in that system is going to carry some fantasy value. Other running backs there are Trey Sermon, Jeff Wilson, and Jamichael Hasty. Uh, so I can see stashing any of these guys mm -hmm. on the end of your bench, uh, probably in that order. I mean, Trey Sermon, then Jeff Wilson, then Jermichael Hasty. No way, dude. Get Trey Sermon off your roster. Jeff Wilson <laughs> Jr. first, then Hasty, I guess. 
All right. Well, okay. Now, I mean, I, I don't think any one of them should be on waivers. So, yeah, okay. go put in a claim. All right. Uh, at tight end, George Kittle. I, I think he had like a very quiet tight end four season last year. Like I was surprised when I saw that he was the tight end four. Took in a 25% target share, which is elite for a tight end. Was among the best in yards after the catch again, which is to be expected. And he remains one of, if not the best all around tight ends in the league. He's coming up on 29 years old. And unfortunately, he blocks a shit ton and he does it very well, which means, you know, that you may say like, look, I like my tight end to block because that means he's going to be on the field all the time. But when you block as much as George Kittle does, what that means is he's down at number 19 and routes run at the position, which also seems like a travesty. Mitch, the market still likes him at tight end three. Are you targeting Kittle? Yes, I am. I love me some Kittle. And I don't care about the 29 years old and tight end years. That's fine. That to me is at least three more years of elite tight end number one overall potential. And look, none of us straight up called the Mark Andrews tight end one season last year. There are three guys on this list that could do it this year. And that's Kelsey, Kittles, and Andrews to me. And that's it. So Kittle, I think, Tarek, you said, is pound for pound the best tight end in the NFL. Couple that with a system that's going to get him fantasy points. And we're hoping for Lance to uh, even help more get Kittle some fantasy points here. So I, I don't think there's any reason to fade Kittle. And I looked up some trades for Kittle as well. Like, they're all trades I would make. Knox in a second for Kittle. Goddard and a late two for Kittle. Yep. Goddard and Fant, Fant and Juju, all of these I'm like Kittle, 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 Kittle. Like if I can get Kittle on my team, I'm going for it. Yeah, I think you're discounting the possibility of uh Waller uh outscoring Kittle this year in an offense that potentially could be throwing the ball more than uh San Francisco will. Devontae uh, so is the reason Kyle, I'm fading Waller. The God Pitts. Yeah. I I had to put that in there. Kyle right. Pitts could easily be the tight end one right in his second year right so there's there's I, a I handful of guys so, but... that i think should be in the conversation so i think kittle's still a strong tight end for contenders but i think it's also reasonable to take him behind a guy like kelsey for this season because i think kelsey's got a better shot at the number one overall than kittle does this year uh, look i i brought up the blocking because it does concern me right, right. from a range of outcomes perspective i totally agree with you mitch obviously I do think Kittle is the best tight end in the league. Like, um, you know, take it or leave it. That's just what my eyes are telling me. But number 19 in routes run at the position is an issue, right? Because he's out there blocking because he's a boss at it. So I don't mind targeting Kittle if you're a contender. But at the same time, I think his access to that higher range of outcomes is a little bit less than uh, than the other guys at the top. Like, that that. That's that's what concerns me. But, you know, these are slim pickings at the top end of the tight end range. So if if Kittle is the one that is most acquirable, then I don't mind you going out and making a play for him. Yeah, you, you keep saying if you're a contender, though, and I'm not completely sold on that either just because he's yeah. 29. Like I said, I think he's got at least three more years of this conversation to be had here. So I, I'm not afraid if I'm in that rebuild. Now, if I'm stripping my team down right here, right now, I'm probably looking to sell. But if I'm at, at 
any stage of a rebuild, yeah, I'm I'm not fading him just because of his age. Fair enough, fair enough. I hear that. All right, let's move on to this next team here. So we're going from uh, a kind of exciting team to uh, a team that's definitely taken a plunge in terms of their upside. But the Seattle Seahawks, at quarterback, they got the Drew Locke and the Geno Smith showdown. The market seems to favor Drew Locke to be the starter just by a little bit. I believe he's about six spots ahead on keep trade cut than Geno Smith. I, I want to spend too much time talking about these guys, right? But Trey, maybe it's more productive to think about the QB position in terms of how it's going to kind of affect the rest of the offense down the line. Sure. So, I mean, first off, I think we're going to see both of these guys at some point this year. So neither one of them should be on your waiver wire right now. So mm-hmm. go and check because I have picked up Geno Smith uh, yeah, up a couple waivers over the last few months. But in terms of the actual NFL offense, I, I don't see any one of these guys being significantly better uh, for the other fantasy options, you know, than the other guy could be. Right. So either way, I think Seattle's going to want to try to limit the mistakes it's going to be a run first offense. They're going to establish it. I, I don't see anybody except for Metcalf and Lockett being viable pass catchers. And it's probably going to be poor touchdown numbers this season, right? Like I don't think anybody's going to project Seattle to score a bunch of touchdowns. So um, yeah, I, I, neither one of these guys is going to lift up the other guys around it. So uh, the opportunities are going to be a little bit slimmer than they have been in the past when, uh, when Russ Wilson was out there. M- Mitch or John, are, is there any world in which you're looking to trade for Drew Locke or Geno Smith on no. the cheap? No. No. <laughs> no. They're so. warm bodies. I think Trey already hit the nail on the head here with like they're not going to be worth starting on your team. They're not their numbers aren't going to be worth plugging in unless you are in like serious trouble for quarterback. Like honestly, I don't even want to discount the possibility that Jimmy G or Baker Mayfield are going to be the quarterback yeah. of this team. Yeah, that's I, I'm. I feel like I am projecting Jimmy Garoppolo to the Panthers and Baker Mayfield to end up in Seattle, but ah, we'll see. It. Either way, man. Yeah, the only reason I do it that way is because there's less of a chance that Jimmy G goes within division. But um, at, at running back, let's move on. Kenneth Walker, second round pick out of Michigan State, and Doke Walker, award winner. I was surprised when I looked at keep trade cut this morning. Rocketed up all the way to running back twelve. He's walking into a team that wants to run the ball but may not be able to. He's also going to be competing with Rashad Penny to start his career, who was a top five running back down the stretch last year. John, are you in on low-end running back one in Dynasty? Kenny, three sticks. I think I'm almost there. I've got him at running back 16 myself, and I think he will be the primary running back. I think Rashad Penny has a role to play as well. I think both these guys are going to be getting volume in this offense. They're probably just going to switch alternate drives. And uh, what I expect to happen is the same thing that always happens to Rashad Penny. He's going to get injured. And at that point, <laughs> Kenneth Walker is going to be getting the majority of the snaps and he'll, he'll be getting a lot of volume. And the, Seattle's shown the ability and the willingness to run. So I don't I don't necessarily think he's going to be a running back one this season, but for Dynasty, yeah, I definitely think he's he's on that path. This is a team that I think gets corrected over time and uh hopefully they just don't totally break him this season, which is my primary concern. Isn't he already hurt? I it, it could be. I mean, yeah. I what was it? A hamstring, I think. That's Some good. sort of Yeah. It was it was you know, but it's it's you know, it's training camp. They all they all get hurt and it's like every little nick 
this gets reported it doesn't really matter in the long term yeah john i'll just i'll just say i think he's a screaming sell if you can get running back 12 uh, value and return uh, i mean that 12 means you need to take him over guys like Kamara or derrick henry or nick chubb and i would much rather have some of those proven assets that's fair trey you would even take derrick henry oh yeah oh yeah all right just just checking the pulse here but kenneth walker's the new derrick henry i thought that's what <laughs> yeah just sure. 50 pounds lighter i got uh <laughs> derrick henry one spot ahead of kenneth walker i've got kenneth walker sandwiched between henry and aaron jones um and i'm rising on aaron jones so I, I could even see aaron jones ahead of him too but yeah there's there's a lot of guys behind him that i would rather have uh cam Akers, uh, alvin Kamara, um I, nick chubb i would take ahead of kenneth walker we hate kenneth walker here on well, what, the oh, long game on. dynasty i feel like what if you know let's project out a year what if we knew kenneth walker's ceiling outcome is nick chubb that is his ceiling outcome well isn't that a fringe running back one isn't that exactly no, what john, john what were you saying I was going to say, what if we knew a year from now Kenneth Walker was the guy in Seattle? Because I think that's what they drafted him to be. Would that change your mind? Then hopefully he's as good as Nick Chubb. And as good as Rashad Penny was last year. I mean, Rashad Penny was a top five running back over the second half of the season, right? So he first has to like beat out his teammate. And if he does yeah. that, great. Uh, but then, you know, you also need an offensive line and you need a quarterback. You need to actually score touchdowns. So, you know, he he will still be in a worse situation than Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry will a year from now. It probably, right? Yeah, probably. I mean, what what he's got going for him is that he's very young. He's on a team that wants to run the ball and he's probably good, right? right? Um, that Looking oh, at good, what yeah. he did in college. So, um, I, I, you know, you can be bullish on him. I just, I'm just worried about the ceiling without the pass catching and with his 210 pound frame. Sure. Yeah, I'm even I'm even further out just because I wasn't big on him pre-draft and this doesn't do it for me either, but I'll go ahead and move us into the Rashad Penny part of this conversation. Like Rashad Penny is the boomer bust player of 2022, and there's a lot of good reason to think either which way on this debate. And personally, I hate Rashad Penny, man. He's the <laughs> the human hot potato. Like you guys know how hot potato works, right? Like you don't want to be the one holding the bag because I think Rashad Penny, his bag is going to explode. And so the best way to avoid holding it is just to not trade for him. Like this, this window may be closed because that, that running back five overall towards the end of the year, like that was the window. But maybe your trade like deadline wasn't even open back then. So I'd be trying to move him off my team. I'm afraid of him getting hurt. Like he was a former first rounder and he finally got his shit shit together and looked incredible. So, I mean, maybe he's still got that potential, but the Seahawks drafted Kenneth Walker. So, like, they only gave Penny a one-year deal. I think the writing's on the, writing's on the wall here. Too risky. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? I think people were saying the exact same things about uh, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon last year, you know? So I know it's not the same situation, but there's definitely a chance that this is a 50-50 split. Or it even mm -hmm. leans Penny over Kenneth Walker, you know, in, in Walker's rookie year. So at where you're right, he was a sell uh, at the end of last season. But now I think his value has bottomed out mm -hmm. and it's not really going to get lower unless like he does, you know, miss time or or is like on the end of the bench. So I, I see it more as a slight buy right now, but I'm not like going out and chasing after him. Yeah, I mean, what I took away actually from what Mitch was saying, which I agreed with is like. 
Hopefully, if you have Rashad Penny on your team, like you didn't pay that much to get him because at a point last year, he was on the waiver wire. Mm -hmm. Um, So even if like you weren't able to sell him, I think it's okay to kind of ride him into the sunset if you can't sell now for decent value. But Trey, uh, is there any reason to be optimistic about Chris Carson? You know, Pete Carroll uh, was interviewed last week and he made it sound like Carson's still not ready to come back from surgery and there's just not even a timeline out there. So, uh, you know, it hurts to say, but if you want to drop him at this point, I think it's it's fine. Yeah, no way, dude. He's got metal in his neck now. He's he's like fucking Iron Man, like robo Carson. Let's go. He had the the metal on the outside, Mitch. Come on. We'll we'll start calling him uh, Tony Stark then. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) All right. At wide receiver, DK Metcalf. Saw a 27% target share last year. Was top six in air yards across the league. And look, losing Russell Wilson and having to deal with Drew Locke and or Geno Smith or Baker Mayfield for that matter or Jimmy G. Look, it's it's not going to be a reason to boon his value from last year. And to wit, he's down to wide receiver 10 in Dynasty. Mitch, it looks like you are slightly ahead of market on DK Metcalf. Talk to me about that. Yeah, it's just a friendly reminder to our audience that we're talking about dynasty fantasy football, right? Like the dude is 6'4", 235 and almost made the goddamn Olympic sprinting team. Like he's 24. He's on the last year of his contract. He's basically never going to leave my top 10 of wide receivers. Uh, He's basically already in the worst quarterback situation in the league. There's no other way than up here. So... This year, we have no idea who his quarterback will be. Drew Locke, who cares? Geno Smith, who cares? I mean, he's still going to get targeted like 15 times a game. Either way, I'm happy. Uh, Next year, when his contract's up, maybe he gets franchised. Maybe he signs a long-term deal or gets traded, walks in free agency. Who knows? But I think his stock is only going to go up if he becomes a free agent because we're going to do the whole, what if he goes to Green Bay or Kansas City thing? So right now... Honestly, I think if this is the dip, this this might be it as far as the dip goes, because I don't think it's going to go any lower. Like the market is fading. He's outside of the top 12 right now in some areas. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's a wide receiver one this year, despite the miserable offense. And I'll plant that flag. So if I can move a shiny new rookie like Garrett Wilson or Drake London and, a, and like a slight sweetener for DK Metcalf, I'm going to do that in a heartbeat. I don't think there's any way he finishes top 12 this year. Yeah, I agree with Trey on that, but I, I think you're right on the second part. If you can move one of the rookies and a piece for DK Metcalf, I'm still in on that. Yeah, I've got him at wide receiver 11 in Dynasty, and yeah, that's still wide receiver one. Those guys are, I, I, I like those guys. I've got the rookie fever, but I'm right there with you on that one. I think that's a smart move. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm slightly lower than market right now. I think uh, keep trade cut at 10 is about right. Uh, of course, love the player, hate the situation. So don't disagree there. I, I do think it could get worse before it gets better. Like I think the price could drop lower mm. because I, I don't think this team is going to be scoring a lot of points and he's not going to be getting eight, nine plus touchdowns this year. Tarek, you've tried to pepper this. Uh, you've tried to frame this as his bad situation is a good situation. I- I don't know. I mean, (laughs) DK Metcalf is my wide receiver five in Dynasty. I just think he is the most physically dominant receiver in the NFL. He is a 27, 28% target share type of guy. Um, I do not think that it's super likely that he's a top 12 receiver this year, given the situation. But like Mitch said, it's Dynasty, right? He's still very young. He's still very good. 
And I'm just going to, I'm going to ride through that storm, right? And for better or worse. And that doesn't mean that I'm, you know, I'm going to sell, you know, Cooper Cup for him or something like that. I'm going to try to get more on top. But uh, this is a guy that I'm going to stick with through through a little bit of bad situation because I think it's going to it's going to all come out in the wash at the end. It's going to come out. It's going to come up Millhouse, as they say in the Simpsons universe. Trey, uh, let me move us on to Tyler Lockett here, who outperformed his ADP for roughly the 100th season in a row last year. He's 30 years old, uh, missing that mind meld he had with Russell Wilson throughout his career. But at wide receiver 54, are are you interested in that? Yeah, so personally, I think he should be closer to about wide receiver 40. So I do think there's a pretty strong discount right now. Um, I I wouldn't even project him to finish in the top 24 this year. But I mean, I do think like he will be the number two option in that offense behind Metcalf. So obviously there's not a lot of upside. Like he'll beat ADP. I think the question is by how much, right? And it is even like, is it even like a smart allocation of resources to bet on a guy like Lockett at this point, right? Because like, what does that really get you? I think like realistically, it gets you usable weeks and like depth for a contender. And maybe you should be betting on like younger guys that are better values. But I mean, he'll beat that 54 overall value right now or for the wide receiver spot. Tyler Lockett or Kadarius Tony? I think Tony. <laughs> I think you got to go Tony just because of the upside. I think the... One interesting thing is that he was falling really far, Tyler Lockett, in startups. And Trey and I were co-managing a team in a startup recently, and we kept looking at Tyler Lockett and going, that's free money, but let's look at this younger guy because are we even like going to go for it right off the bat right now, right? So the thing you have to consider is he's basically a one-year rental, right? Yeah, I mean, I think to Trey's point, it's like it's free money, but... Are you going to be able to buy anything with it, right? Like, what's he going to get you? He's got to make sure you're going for the championship, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, look, if you get him at wide receiver 54 value and he puts up a wide receiver 35 season, great. He outperformed his value, but what does that really do for you, right? Right. right. So I, I, I think, I think that's why even at wide receiver 54, he'll outperform that. But I'm, I'm not looking to acquire. Yeah, agreed. And, and it's nitpicking, but you know, the the data would suggest at that age he's good for another two and a half years. So not necessarily a one year rental, but I don't think his value is going to be going up appreciably, you know, over fifty four. And to Trey's other point, like we were in a fourteen team league too, so he's much more valuable in that situation. Cool. All right. Is there anyone else in this receiver room we're interested in? Like the only other person that kind of registers is D Eskridge? Only only if we can say his nickname. All right. Dewanchant Elderly Scridge. Go ahead and drop him at tight end. <laughs> Noah Fant came in over with the Russell Wilson trade. He's averaged about 10 PPR points per game over the last few years, which in both years were borderline tight end one numbers. That's exactly where his value shakes out on keep trade cut. John market sentiment seems to be cautiously optimistic about Fant. Um, based on that tight end 13 ranking, are we just holding on to his draft hype or is there signal to that noise? Uh, I think, I think you're asking the the wrong guy here. <laughs> I'm, I was the one who notoriously said Noah Fant was fool's gold this time last year. And I was kind of right, but I was kind of wrong. I, I think we, the consensus was right around tight end eight or nine. And I had him a bit lower than that. And he ended up at tight end 12. So 
Uh, I just don't see his situation as being any sort of upgrade this year. Uh, I think that I've got him at tight end 15. Uh, I think people want him to be good because they believe in the talent. And uh, I, I do too. I mean, he, he's a guy from Nebraska, so I, I kind of <laughs> have to lean towards him. But I just don't see it happening this year. Um, and so I, I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm in. I, I think I'd rather take a number of guys who I think are likely to be uh, more like the second receiving option on their team. I, I'm not sure he's even going to be uh, the second receiver on his team. But I think he falls behind DK Metcalf and uh, Tyler Lockett in a run first offense. So I'm out. What, what can I say? I'm out. He's wishful thinking. It's sad, but true. Yeah, I am the high man on him at tight end eight. Uh, and just thinking about him being the third option on this team that is run first. Definitely has me rethinking that. So I'm going to have to go in and, and tweak that a little bit. All right, mic check. It is halftime. Okay, so let's move through this pretty fast. The question for halftime today is, what is a team that didn't make the playoffs last year that you're banking on making the playoffs this year? Trey, go for it. All right, give me uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they went 8-9 and nine last year with an injured Lamar Jackson uh, who missed uh, a couple of games. I think their only uh, real threat in the division looks like it's going to be Cincinnati. Uh, I don't think Pittsburgh's going to put up much of a challenge, uh, especially with a rookie at quarterback. So I can see Baltimore even taking the division crown uh, from Cincy this year. So uh, 10 wins definitely seems doable for Baltimore. That should be enough for them to clinch either the division or one of those wildcard spots. I like that call. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens will win the NFC North. Book it. Mitch, what you got? I got the New Jersey Jets, baby. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, for real. I, I think that I, I was going to go with the Dolphins originally, and I was like, nah, man, the Dolphins, fuck the Dolphins. And then uh, as I, you know, look to the Jets, I realized that they have done the most this offseason. They had the best draft and they beat the two best teams in the AFC last year. They beat the Bengals and they beat the Titans. So fuck it. They're they're getting second in this division, sneaking in the playoffs and getting blown out. <laughs> All righty then, John, who do you got? What's a team that didn't make it last year? You'll They'll make it this year. I, I like the Chargers. And you'll recall that they nearly made the playoffs and went down to the wire with the Raiders and it ended mm -hmm. infamously. Uh, I, I think they write the ship uh it's going to be a tough division right all four of those teams are legitimate contenders uh but i think the talent is going to rise i really like what the chargers have done in the off season here um and it's going to be wide receiver one season again for mike williams so here we go chargers all the way the chargers have killed it this off season unfortunately so has the rest of their division so true. That's true. we'll see how that plays out but i love the call my call here is going to be the Vikings, and I think they are going to win the NFC North. Uh, as Aaron Rodgers and the Packers struggle to get off the ground without Devontae Adams, I looked at their schedule. I think Kirk Cousins gets the Vikings off to about a 7-2 and two or even 8-2 and two start. Um, so I, I think they're going to make the playoffs, if not win the NFC North. All right, so Trey had the Ravens. Mitch went with New Jersey. John had the Chargers, and I went with the Vikings. Teams that did not make the playoffs last year, That'll make the playoffs this year. You know, put on Twitter, remind me of this uh, in one year, and we'll see how we, we did. Can't wait. Let's kick off the second half. We'll go with Arizona first, the Cardinals at quarterback. Kyler Murray was top five in points per game for the second year in a row, and he's been in the top 12 since he entered the league three years ago. 
We know he'll be without DeAndre Hopkins for six games, but he adds Hollywood Brown. Kyler Murray is among the best deep ball throwers in the league, and his ratio of money throws to interceptable passes is the best in the league. Mitch, is he a value at quarterback six? My initial answer was no, but I actually think he is, and it's, it's there's just a slight value here. And what I mean is the diff between quarterback six and quarterback four. If people are taking Joe Burrow over Kyler Murray in a startup, then I would say, yeah, he's a value, but not really in a post startup. And what I mean there is you're still going to pay top five quarterback prices regardless of where the manager has him in their ranks. So uh, Kyler can run it. He can sling it. He spreads it around. He already has a quarterback three overall season under his belt. Uh, He's putting up 22.2 points a game, and he's number one in deep ball completion percentage. He's money in the bank, y'all. For some context here, uh, because I, I, I agree with Mitch, although I'm going to go a step further and say that like he is a value. So I sold Justin Herbert and Chase Claypool, and what I got back was Kyler Murray and Devontae Smith, right? And in a lot of situations, I wouldn't necessarily do that. But I, you know, for my own personal portfolio, I had some Herbert in other places. And I felt like Kyler Murray was a good vehicle for adding value elsewhere because I think Kyler Murray is much more in the tier of Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Mm -hmm. Allen than he's currently being given credit for in the market, right? So I think that if you have one of those top four or five quarterbacks and you can get Kyler Murray and a significant upgrade at another position, that's something I'm doing because I'm telling you, Kyler Murray, yes, he's small, and maybe he's got a higher chance of missing games than other quarterbacks, but as long as he's on the field, he's going to be a top five guy. What about Josh Allen? Like, what would it take to close the gap between Josh Allen and Kyler? Uh, At least a 23 first. Just one? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not saying that he's in the same tier as, as those top three guys. What I said was he's a lot closer to that tier than he's currently being given credit for, right? I think the market, like you were saying, kind of considers Joe Burrow closer to that tier. And mm-hmm. and I'm just not there because Burrow doesn't have that rushing floor that the rest of them have, right? And Kyler Murray doesn't have just a rushing floor. Exactly. It is an insane rushing floor, right? So... I'm not going to necessarily go so far as to say that he is he's just as valuable as Josh Allen or anything. But I think that he is a vehicle for extracting value out of one of those top four or five quarterbacks. Yeah, no disagreement here, man. I like it. All right, then let's move on to the running back. Then Chase Edmonds departs and James Conner gets rewarded with a twenty one million dollar extension. Connor had 18 total touchdowns on inefficient running and efficient receiving last year. He's 27 years old, running back 28 on keep trade cut. Trey, can Connor repeat what he did last year? And if so, is that not some prime value for contenders at running back 28? Well, if you look at uh, the Fantasy Pros projections right now, which I think is a good median projection, it's 950 yards rushing, 380 yards receiving, 14 total touchdowns. So not quite where he was last year, but that's good enough for running back eight in their projections. Still pretty good, yep. Yeah, still pretty good. So I think the value's there. Uh, You know, like you said, Chase Edmonds is gone now, so there's a lot of vacated touches. We talk about how vacated targets aren't real. You know, there is a lot of work out there to suggest vacated touches are real. So, uh, you know, Connor's a buy at running back 27. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's 
it just is what it is, you know? So I've got him over guys like, <laughs> uh, like Zeke. I would take him over Damian Harris. I would take him over Clyde Edwards Hilaire. It feels bad, but I'm with you, Trey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got him at running back 24 also over Zeke. I've got him over Josh Jacobs. So yeah, I, I like the value. Yep. Uh, Keontae Ingram was a sixth round pick out of USC. Big body who can catch passes. Daryl Williams is another big body who can also catch passes. And I think he's very lauded for his pass protection. He sat on the shelf in free agency for a while until he got a shot from Cliff Kingsbury. John, how are you parsing out the backfield behind James Conner? Well, while Keontae Ingrams was attending frat parties last year, Daryl Williams was running back 20. So he's the guy I think that I would be targeting. Uh, and keep trade cuts got him way, way down at running back 64, the equivalent of a 2024 mid third. <laughs> so do I think he's going to be running back 20 again? No. But do I think James Conner is necessarily the healthiest guy on the planet? Mm -hmm. No. So if there was a guy I was going to target for a third, I'd feel pretty good about taking a shot on Daryl Williams. Yeah, no, that's a good take, John. I think I like uh, Keontae Ingram, too. I think they're both uh, good uh, buy candidates. Yeah, James Conner's big fan of that blue tent. It would behoove me to not at least dabble in some of the shares of his backups here because I want a running back on this offense, and there aren't a whole lot of guys behind Connor. So either one. Yeah, I think this is a situation in which, like, if you've already passed your rookie draft and somebody probably drafted Keontae Ingram a little bit earlier than you were willing to or trade up to, like, this is a situation in which go target Daryl Williams, right? Target the third guy who has just as good, if not a better chance of being the second guy on that offense as Keontae Ingram. I like that. All right, at wide receiver, Arizona traded a first-round pick for Marquise Brown, which is heavy, heavy investment for a receiver that Kyler Murray has shared a few showers with in Oklahoma. Over the last season and a half, Hollywood has been a star. 26.7% target share last year, over 1,500 air yards, top 15 in points per game. Wide receiver 24 on keep trade cut, moving to a pass-heavy scheme where he's the primary receiver for at least the first six games, and I wouldn't be surprised if it went past that. Seems pretty enticing to me. What do you think, Mitch? Sky is the limit, man. The Cardinals paid up to go get Kyler's wide receiver friend so he'd stop removing the Cardinals from his Instagram and pretending he might go play baseball or whatever. But at the same time, John said this in regards to Etienne. I think it applies here, too. I feel like there's a Hollywood Brown guy in your league that is prepared to take Hollywood a full round and a half before you are. I have Hollywood Brown at wide receiver 19, which makes me the high guy on the podcast, but he's still going before I can get my hands on him in the startups. And uh, these managers might be justified here. I mean, all signs point to volume, right? Like, Tarek, you just mentioned that DeAndre Hopkins is out for six weeks, but even if he wasn't, I wouldn't care. Uh, I've Mentioned that Arizona likes to spread it out and operate without like a true number one. But even if that remains true, I think Hollywood can overcome a little bit of a dip in his target share because of Kyler Murray's 50% deep ball completion percentage. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm in on Hollywood. I love this for him. I think uh, I think Mitch was over there policing our ranks again. Uh, so I've got <laughs> Marquise Brown at 23. I don't think he should be any lower than 19 or so so i'll i'll make that change as well uh officer and uh yeah i think anywhere in the 15 to 18 range that makes sense that's a detective to you yeah that's twice <laughs> Snooping right. around 
<laughs> yeah, it's funny. I mean, like Mitch is the high guy, but all four of us are slightly ahead of market. Uh, the lowest we have in this wide receiver 23. And and Trey just said he's going to be moving him up. So DeAndre Hopkins, we referenced him a few times. He's old and he is suspended. But the question is, at wide receiver 48, Trey, is he too old and is he too suspended to return value? <laughs> so it, it reminds me a little bit of what we just talked about with Tyler Lockett. Obviously, the situations are completely different, but you know they're both guys that are getting a little bit older. Uh, wide range of outcomes here with DeAndre Hopkins. I think he was clearly limited last year by injury. Uh, we saw poor target share of 20.8%. His WOPR was outside the top 30. So same range as guys like Mike Williams and Marvin Jones, who are not, you know, volume kings. Uh, I do think the market is overcorrected a little bit here. So I think you can buy low and I think you will return value. But similar to Tyler Lockett, I think the question is, you know, how much value is that really going to get you? And, and maybe it's more so because it's a better situation and we have the baked in, you know, return from suspension. So I think it's a little bit more of a sure thing than Lockett is that this is going to return value. Yeah, I, I feel like he's getting a lot of juice in best ball leagues. And what that signals to me is that people are expecting him to contribute from a fantasy point standpoint yep. when he comes back in 2022. So I think if you're a contender wide receiver 48, uh, he's going to return more value than Tyler Lockett will across the whole season. I'm pretty into buying him at that value, even though I'd only have him a few spots ahead of that in my own rankings. Yeah, I've got him at 41 versus the uh, keep trade cut at 48. I don't want him. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, Rondale Moore targeted three yards down the field on average, really did not do much outside of a few big plays. And at wide receiver 53 on keep trade cut, he is a certified face planter coming out of his rookie year. Uh, John, are you still holding out hope for Rondale Moore? I, I wouldn't call it holding out hope, but I think there's still a chance. Like uh, the current value's got him as like a mid second. And that's kind of the range I'm willing to take a shot at him because, uh, you know, he didn't do what I want rookies to do. He didn't have like that big progression by the end of the season. But uh, sometimes that happens late. Um, it happens in the second season. So I think it could still happen for Rondale Moore. But when we get to the mid round of like rookie drafts, I usually get distracted by shiny objects. So I'm probably just going to take a shot on a rookie instead. Yeah. Speaking of those shiny objects, I wanted to put you on the spot with another one of your guys who is also very small and also has a very <laughs> similar name, Rondale Moore or Wandale Robinson, who's you know going answer. in that mid second. It's, it's Wandale. Yeah. He's the shiny object I was referring to. <laughs> I completely agree, John. Yeah. Take the re-roll there yeah. on uh, the Rondale 2.0. Right. All right. At tight end, Trey McBride and Zach Ertz head up this tight end room. We've talked in earlier episodes about how Zach Ertz, fresh off of a contract extension with the Cardinals, might be good value for contenders at tight end 18. McBride is valued four spots ahead of him at tight end 14. Mitch, are you interested in either of these guys? Well, this is so on brand, but yeah, I'm interested <laughs> in Zach Ertz, of course. Uh, Ertz is going to be the guy this year, and people are going to be sad that Trey McBride doesn't do shit, but... Ertz is 31 and probably leads the Cardinals tight ends the next two years. And uh, I like what he did last year. They traded him from the Eagles to the Cardinals. And all he did was impressive, to say the least. I mean, he was number four in receptions by tight ends, number six in red zone targets. 
And 10.6 fantasy points per game isn't terrible. So, look, I, I'm not saying that I uh, that I am a Zach Ertz guy, but I think I'm a Zach Ertz guy. Yeah, I mean, Zach Ertz spent several years holding down a better tight end in Dallas Goddard. And now he's going to do the same thing with Trey McBride. So we can all be excited about that. Yeah, I think McBride is going to be tight end 14 or 16 next year, too. So I think you can wait. I think we're going to see a similar trajectory as Cole Komet. So we're going to sit on Trey McBride. And I think Mitch is right. It's going to be right between 10, 15 dynasty rankings. And then once that third year comes, Trey McBride, we're going to, we're going to see good things in the future. Just you wait. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just say it. I think it might even be uh, the year after next, too, because I, I think Ertz uh, was recently extended. Yep. We could see Ertz come back for, for 2023 as well. Sure. So mm-hmm. McBride really might it, be yeah. riding the pine for two full years. Wheels up, Zach Ertz, baby. Three-year breakout. Yeah. And that, I mean, I've had opportunities to draft Trey McBride all offseason. And for that reason, I've kind of strayed away because I think you're going to have to wait for two years. And with, you know, if I'm going to wait for two to three years on a rookie tight end, uh, I don't want to spend a second round pick on mm-hmm. them. I want to spend a third or a fourth. Hey, right. man, so. That taxi don't drive itself. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the last team we're going to talk about here today. The Los Angeles world champion Rams at quarterback Matt Stafford lived up to his gunslinging reputation last year, threw up a lot of touchdowns, a lot of deep passes and a lot of interceptable passes. On the back of almost 5,000 yards and over 40 touchdowns, he finished as a low-end quarterback one in points per game. Trey, I want to throw this to you because in the, in the preseason last year, I distinctly remember you talking about how worried you were about Matt Stafford's ranking after he moved over to LA because you thought that because he doesn't run very much, he's he's kind of priced close to his ceiling. And look, he's he's rated as a low-end quarterback one right now. He finished as a low-end quarterback one right now. Did that kind of play out for you? Is Matt Stafford priced at his ceiling? Well, I mean, we just saw Stafford have the best year of his career, like without a doubt, and mm-hmm. he still finished as a low-end uh, quarterback one. So he's absolutely priced at his ceiling, which um, that's not to say he won't do it again. You know, he could very well repeat. And I think we should all expect the Rams to be just as effective in year two of uh, Stafford in that offense. But I'm a little bit lower than the market on Stafford again, because he uh, doesn't have that upside over that, you know, uh, 13 overall ranking right now for the quarterback position. Um, But that means you have to believe in the upside of guys like, like Zach Wilson or like Tua Tungabailoa, Justin Fields. You have to like put them over Stafford, uh, to justify that. So I've, I've, I've made that choice. I know I recognize he's more of a sure thing, but you know, he's, he's at a ceiling right now. What can I say? Go trade away Matt Stafford for Kirk cousins and uh, a 2024 <laughs> first or yeah, or a, a 2023 second that I literally, I have that written down here. Yeah. So if you can trade him for cousins and get a second next year, that's free money. Matt Stafford is like fancy Kirk Cousins from yeah. a fantasy standpoint. I, I don't know, John Mish. Do y'all disagree with that or? I I think it's funny. Like I thought about like fancy ketchup Kirk Cousins, but no, I <laughs> yeah. I, I think I, I think I disagree because I don't mind buying Matt Stafford at his price here because you're gonna get what you get. You're gonna pay quarterback eleven prices and you're gonna get quarterback eleven results. Yeah. And I think you can get this for the next two years. So it kind of depends on what you personally have going on 
at the other quarterback like on your team, right? So yeah. if you've got a top five quarterback and you want to round it out with a consistent top 12 quarterback, like if he's your second quarterback, sure. But if you're expecting him to be your quarterback one top five guy, that's that's not a good idea. Then take the profit. So I can see either way. Uh, I like that take, Mitch. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. So, I mean, that's yeah. dependent on team need then. Yeah. Right. I mean, look, I, I was being very overly tongue in cheek there for sure. But like, yeah, I mean, Stafford obviously has way more insulation than Kirk Cousins. But in terms of what they're going to put up on game day, as long as Kirk Cousins has that job, like Kirk Cousins, the disrespect, man, you know, he likes that. <laughs> he likes it for sure. Uh, On to the running back cam the goddamned ram and it, and it looks like mitch edited my show sheet a little bit there because i i had cam the ram now it says cam the goddamn ram so that's that's great copy editing there mitch came back from a summer achilles tear in record time and while he was extremely inefficient as a runner so was the entire backfield right when he came back he did demonstrate some burst on one or two plays there was a specific receiving play in the playoffs that i'm thinking of and running back 17 isn't this lofty price that you might have expected, especially because after a game or two back when he did have that explosive play, he was already pushing top eight in the rankings. John, you have pretty consistently been below market on the goddamned Ram. How are you <laughs> feeling now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I got my ass kicked last year when I I think I had him right here, right around uh, running back 18. So. I feel like he's appropriately priced now. Like I've got him right there. I think he's a mid to late uh, running back too. So I, I think the value is appropriate. I think the market is right. I think he'd look good in the playoffs, but I think this is a pass first offense and he'll have his moments, but I wouldn't want him as my running back one, which is how he was being valued previously. So as my running back two, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's good value right there. I think the market's got this one, right? Yeah, I, I'm, above consensus on cam Akers, i've got him at running back 13 he came back from the achilles injury and yes we didn't necessarily see an efficient running back but we saw that he came back we saw that he had some burst we saw the team be really motivated to give him work and he's still very young and he's very explosive and i just think like with the offense he's coming into i think there's a lot of upside in that price right so yeah I'm poking around on Cam Akers, Trey, Mitch, what do y'all yeah, think? Yeah, Tarek, I agree with you on that. And I think the fact that Kyron Williams went on day three and that was who they brought in means that I think they're probably confident that Akers will be back. So now I'm with you. I think uh, running back 12 is where I've got him. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of low, I guess, at running back 19, but I'm not as... What, the market's got him at 17, so I guess I'm coming closer and closer to market here with Cam Akers. Like... I can acknowledge that he came back and didn't look great, and that's not the true Cam, the goddamned Ram. Like, I, I, I'm there, but I'm just super hesitant right now, and that prices me out, and so be it. Yeah, I mean, the offensive line completely fell apart at the end of the year, which, I mean, credit to them, they ended up winning the Super Bowl, but, like, he looked bad, but so did the guy we're going to talk about right now, and that's Daryl Henderson, who had his moments last year until getting hurt and ceding his workload to Sony Michelle. And, you know, like when I say he looked bad, I mean, in that window, end of the regular season into the playoffs, all three of Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, and Sony Michelle 
looked horrible, right? Because mm-hmm. nobody could run the ball on that team, right? But to Daryl Henderson specifically, I think he figures to take some touches away from Akers and also be the primary handcuff, which makes running back 49 on keep trade cut seem a little low to me. But what are your thoughts, Mitch? Yeah, that's that's too low. And that's not how we thought the offseason would play out. Like last year, before the season ended, we were like, okay, we got to get off Daryl Henderson now. He's going to be obsolete going into next year. They're probably going to replace him, blah, blah, blah. But instead, they let Sony Michelle leave them for the ocean and become a dolphin. And uh, like, let's look at the rest of the depth chart here. Like Cam Akers, sure, he's ahead of him. Uh, but Kyron Williams already broke his foot. So, like, Hendo's in line for that same role that he played last year, which was that handcuff running back that could propel into a number one running back in a really fucking good offense. So, Henderson's a buy again. Let's get back on this train. Yep. No, you're right, Mitch. They're both buys. Yeah. Uh, Kyron Williams, Trey mentioned him. He is small. He is slow. And apparently now he's got a broken foot. So... It's it's a good day to have zero percent exposure to Kyron Williams. I don't know about y'all, but that's where no, I'm he's coming a, from. He's a speedster, remember? <laughs> All right, uh, at wide receiver, Cooper Cup, the God had one of the best wide receiver fantasy seasons of all time last year. 26 points a game, 32% target share. was just money in the bank week in and week out with Matt Stafford and that breakfast narrative. He just turned 29. And Trey, he's the wide receiver four out in the market. I I think there's a very good argument for wide receiver three after Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson in whatever order. Uh, Are you buying Cooper Cup at wide receiver four? Yeah, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. I think he should be the wide receiver three in Dynasty. I think it's a really safe bet that he repeats as the wide receiver one in 2022. Uh, I mean, this is similar to Matt Stafford in that, you know, he's not going to gain value like he's absolutely at his ceiling. But different to Matt Stafford, you know, it's so much additional value of a replacement. Like this will help you win a ship, you know. So it's a hold. Uh, it's I don't know if it's like a, a super strong buy because he should be priced in that top five already. But um, if somebody's worried about the age or whatever, then uh, yeah, that's he's gonna return value. What if I was worried about the sixteen touchdowns instead of the age? Is that a legitimate concern? Well, I still think double digit touchdowns is in the cards I, I, what i've been seeing and my personal projections was 1500 yards and 11 touchdowns nice if you want to have him at wide receiver three over cd lamb completely fine nobody can argue with that like he's he's gonna be 29 when the season starts i think he just turned 29 he's got a few good years left um so yeah, I, I think I think he's a strong buy. Like, I think you can leverage youth. I think you can leverage um, some other players in in a quest for Cooper Cup. Um, and I, I would be poking around if you're a contender, especially. Yeah. He could be a strong sell too. I I recently sold my or one of my shares of Cooper Cup. Oh, you like, fucked up, dude. Well, <laughs> the thing is, I you know my team needed more depth and needed more receivers and needed more picks, and Cup was the guy to get me all of the above. Okay, all right. So yeah, I mean, um, most moves depend on the team construction, but uh, in the interest of time, let's move on to Allen Robinson, who came over and got paid to take Robert Woods's role. 
He was a massive disappointment last year, but in fairness, so are the Chicago Bears every year. Mitch, wide receiver 44 for the 29-year-old, playing with easily the best quarterback of his career. What do you think about that value? I have been banging the table all offseason. I think that this guy, Allen Robinson, is going to most likely be my reputation player based on how many shares I have of him and how much I keep talking him up. So uh, barring injury, I think there's a 100% chance he smashes his ADP. He's in that situation now, and uh, I think there's a good chance that he could finish in the top 15 in 2022 on this offense. I think he could finish in the top 20 in 2023. He's worth a second-round pick on keep trade cut, but I've been targeting him as throw-ins as well. Uh, I've been targeting him in the 8th or ninth round in startups. Like Tark, you said, he's free from Chicago, and... I wheels up for him as well. Yeah, I actually have Allen Robinson at wide receiver 33 in my ranks. So I think that's a little aggressive. I think it's more of like a signal of like, I want to buy Allen Robinson than it is a super actionable ranking. But I definitely see him as a buy. I, I definitely think he's going to be a top 20 receiver this year in fantasy. And just by that alone, he's worth being in the top 40 receivers. Yeah, I mean, I got him at wide receiver 30, so I don't even think 33 is that wild. Do you, do you guys remember where his underdog ADP is coming out right now? Like best ball ADP? Is it like mid-20s, mid-30s? You guys remember off at the top? At this point, I know his best ball ADP on underdog has been creeping up, right? right. Like the, there was a point where it was like he's like a high-end wide receiver three, and I think now he's like firmly in the top 20s. So. Right, gotcha. Well, he's playing next to Cooper Cup. I mean... Look, there's going to be so much focus on Cooper Cup on that defense that likely he's going to be running free with, like, they're going to put focus on Allen Robinson on that offense. Like you said, they paid to go get him. You, you can't tell me that he's not part of the, the game plan here with Sean McVay. Yeah, they moved Robert Woods out of the door. Robert Woods, who before he got hurt, had a significant role in that offense. And they replaced him with Allen Robinson. Like, think if so, OBJ never tore his ACL, right? We would have him pretty high up in the ranks this year if he stayed with the Rams. But instead, we have Allen Robinson, which is even better. Right, right. Okay, uh, Van Jefferson, he had his moments last year. He's wide receiver 69 on keep trade cut. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I could see... To, like having him on your bench, John, I know you've historically been a Van Jefferson fan. Any thoughts on Van Jefferson? Well, I want to, I want to state the case, but I realize that they're probably just going to bring in another vet wide receiver at some point and kick him down to wide receiver four for this team. So I'm not going to state the case. <laughs> I thought okay. this would be the year, right? But they've, they, it's like Robert Woods going out the door, but now they bring in Allen Robinson. So He's the third wide receiver for his team, and that's worth whatever it's worth. Yeah, I think Van Jefferson is the type of guy that if you can find a way to turn him into a handcuff running back on your bench, you do that, right? Add something to Van Jefferson, get a handcuff uh, I back. I don't know, guys. Look, he, Van Jefferson's filled in admirably, and like players get hurt. I mean, look, he's next in line, even if they do go get a another wide receiver. I'm not trying to let him leave my roster just yet okay okay i disagree chasing <laughs> 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 well, those wide receiver threes yeah let, let's close out the show with the tight end position tyler higby's at the top of the room he's like a top 24 tight end on keep trade cut 
He's spelled by Bryson Hopkins, Kendall Blanton, mm. and Jacob Harris. So, Trey, do any of these guys pique your interest? Like, I don't want any of them on my team personally at their price. Well, I mean, the the only one that is going to cost you anything significant is Tyler Higby, right? And I'm I'm definitely out on the Higbeast. Uh, I don't think he's got that top six upside, you know, and so I think there's just better bets that you could do for tight end depth. Uh, out of the three other names, uh, Jacob Harris is still somewhat interesting, but if he is taking up a spot at the end of your bench versus a handcuff running back, I'm going to say go with the handcuff running back over, over Jacob Harris at this point. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I'm stashing Bryson Hopkins in one league and I currently have a waiver claim in to drop him for another player. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, and then Ken Kendall Blanton, I believe he was like a DFS hero one week last yeah, year. Yeah. I, he, he won me some money, but yeah, other than that. Uh, okay. So that's going to do it, uh, for episode 60 of the long game. We talked NFC West, Next week, I'm not sure if we're going to have an episode next week uh, because we got a lot of people going out of town and we'll, we'll see. But next episode, we will talk about AFC West, which is another juicy division, probably another hour and a half long episode. So we'll look forward to that. It was good having everybody back today. We'll see everybody next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. No, I ain't.